what I'd like to speak about this evening is the theme of the weekend, the heart of kindness and understanding. If we stop and reflect, perhaps, on what this phrase might mean to us, there are a number of different responses that may come to do with what it may perhaps mean, to do with some sense of seeking after what it might represent. We may have come to this retreat, and the title, the theme, was not particularly relevant to our decision. For others it may have been quite significant in that choice. The sense of what it might evoke for us is easily, I think, something that seems distant from us, that we may have thought we were coming here to find it, to find or to discover where kindness, where understanding are residing. Having perhaps the perception, the sense that they are not where we are, that they are somewhere distant, and perhaps having seen in our lives all the times and the situations where there felt to be a lack of kindness in our heart, where there felt to be a lack of understanding in our life that have led us to places of pain and difficulty, places of sorrow and confusion. And quite appropriately, having observed, having reflected upon our life, to see that these qualities perhaps need some attention, need some development. We may have inclined or directed ourselves towards this possibility, and the coming to this retreat may have been part of that process, an expression of that intention. I think one of the most difficult things we have to contend with as human beings is a sense within ourselves where we may question, where we may feel a lack of trust and faith in our own essential goodness, in our own validity of presence here, and a sense of actually appreciating our own inner world, our own inner life, actually having a sense of kindness towards ourselves as well as to others, is one of the things that we find so challenging. And often we can feel when we look at our life and we highlight those areas where it seems to lack, it can seem like an incredibly distant goal. It can seem somewhere so far away. And yet, interestingly, if we stop and reflect on what it is within us that may, in fact, make us think to develop kindness in our lives, what is it in ourselves that makes us feel we must learn to be more kind? If we look at it carefully, if we attend to it, what we may actually see is that very intention, that very motivation to cultivate such a quality is in fact based in kindness itself. That to care for our own well-being, a caring for our own well-being, is expressed in a wish to deepen in kindness. A caring for others' well-being is expressed (coughs) in a wish to deepen in kindness. And that there's a way in which that which we're actually seeking for is revealed by the very fact that we're looking for it is revealed as being part of our own being.
religious teachings and meditation practices can seem so complicated, can seem so much at times involved with something that is far distant, removed from us, ideals of human spirit or achievement. And it might be wise for us to reflect on the rather beautiful statement of the Dalai Lama once when asked about his religion. He responded, My religion is kindness. My religion is kindness. That this quality could itself sum up, could express what is at the heart of what we are concerned with in our lives. What is at the heart of what we are concerned with in our practice. Looking within, we can see, and we have certainly opportunity to observe during the time here on retreat, that a lot of what goes on within us and around us does not really seem to serve our well-being, does not actually contribute to the happiness of ourselves or of others, but more in fact seems to lead down pathways of suffering, of disconnection and of sadness and sorrow. And that we come to practice seeking, to understand how we might live in a different way, how we might live more in touch with our heart, how we might bring that into our lives. It may look, on first observation, that paying attention to our breath, that simply cultivating a quality of being present and connected, does not have so much to do with the cultivation of kindness. And at times it may not even seem to have much to do with the cultivation of understanding in the way we experience practice. But if we see, if we look at what we observe, we start to see the basic tendencies of our mind. The habits of our mind are revealed to us rather starkly in meditation. We see how strongly everything is governed by a wish to somehow organize and get our experience to be in a certain way. How we want our meditation experience to look the way it should be. We'd like our body to be comfortable, to be upright, to be awake. We'd like our mind to be alert. We want the continuity of attentiveness that we've heard people speak about. That quality of presence that maybe somehow seems to elude us. And genuine aspirations they can be. But often what they lead to is a way in which we judge our actual experience and push it away from us. A way in which we actually disconnect ourselves from where we are. And in this disconnection from where we are, we lose. We lose something profound, something important. And the loss of which leads us to look, leads us to search and seek for something to heal or to remedy that loss. And yet the way we seek to heal, to remedy that loss, 
is very much through the process of trying to accumulate what we want, trying to get rid of what we don't want. And it consumes so much of our lives and so much of our meditation at times. Just think of how much of our energy in this existence, or even just in this retreat, has been spent trying to get what we want, or trying to get away from what we don't want. Whether it be the pain in our body that does arise at times, whether the feelings, the emotions in the heart, the sadness, the grief, or the anger that may be there, or whether it be the busyness of the mind or its distractedness and its, it seems complete unwillingness to listen to a thing we say, despite our very um, gentle and enthusiastic encouragements to the mind to be still, to be quiet, to pay attention. We see that it doesn't happen that way. And this, this wish for things to be in a certain way, it's driven by a relationship that we form with our experience when we're not really clear, when we're not really understanding what's going on. And this relationship is basically founded upon, when we're unconscious, when we're not clear, it's founded upon whether our experience is pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Because in fact, all experience, every breath, every sound, every smell, every taste, every touch, every thought that we've ever had and ever will have, is one of these things, pleasant, unpleasant, or neither, somewhat neutral. And this comprises our total experience. There's nothing else to it apart from all of this. Sights, sounds, smells, touch, tastes and thoughts, and various combinations of these. This quality of pleasant, unpleasant or neutral, when we actually aren't aware of it, when we're not conscious of it, it leads us to react in a very predictable way. We basically, when we're in contact with the pleasant, with the desirable, we want more of it. That's pretty much what pleasant means, something we want more of. They tend to go together very closely. And when we've had a good meditation, or the mind has been quiet for just a few moments, how quickly the thought arises. Oh, I'd like this to stay. How much longer can this continue? What should I do to prolong this experience? And equally, when we're in contact with the unpleasant, when we're in contact with something which is painful or unpleasant, we want it to go away. And our basic conditioned reaction is to push it away, to try and escape from it. And again, we can notice how very quickly when something's going on in our body or our mind, we don't like it. It's unpleasant. Maybe it's a story of some, some traumatic past experience. Or it's just a, the incredible busyness of the mind that we desperately seek some peace from. And, and we just want it to go away. We want it to go away. And we push away. Or sometimes we're sitting and there is a moment of peace, of quiet, of ease. And yet after a few moments we start, to, we start to think, gosh, what next? Our mind quickly moves on. Whenever, we fit, whenever we're not in a place where things are particularly pleasant or particularly unpleasant, where they're more neutral, we tend to find it difficult to rest there. And we move on 
seeking something more stimulating, something more exciting. And when we're not conscious of this process, when we're caught up in it, we're constantly losing touch with where we are. Because whether it's the grasping with desire, the pushing away through fear and aversion, or the disconnection that comes from our conditioned reaction to what is neutral, in all those ways of relating or reacting, we lose touch with where we are. We lose touch with the the, the presence and the quality of life, aliveness that is in our immediate experience when we connect with it. And we experience this as incredibly painful. We experience this as the source of incredible suffering, the sense of being disconnected from the truth of our moment, from the truth of our life. But what we tend to think the way we tend to interpret and perceive the experience is that the problem is in the lack of the thing that I want. Or the problem is in the presence of that which I do not want. And yet this isn't true. This is not the way it is. It's actually our unwillingness or our inability to stay connected that really generates the suffering in our lives. And so the practice that we're engaged with of actually learning to see how we get caught up in craving after, in pushing away, or in disconnecting from what is going on, and actually returning to where we are, opening to it, that this process is in fact an expression of a profound kindness and caring for our well-being. Recognizing that when we're actually in contact with our experience, when we're really being there for it, there's something in us which responds. There's a, there's a quality in that willingness to be there, which is a gift. A gift to ourselves, a gift to our experience, and a gift to all of life, which is beyond compare. That sense of actually touching our life, of being touched by our life on a moment-to-moment basis, that we develop, that we cultivate through our practice. This is more primary, more fundamental than the form and the technique that we're engaged in. We work with the breath, we use it, it's a tool. But it's not because of the breath itself. It's because it's a way we can cultivate this quality of presence, this quality of connection that receives our life from a place of consciousness from a place of aliveness and alertness and interest to see just what is there. And sometimes what we find is that within us there are things we'd rather not see. We'd rather not receive. We find it so hard to open to the difficult aspects of our lives. We think that it would be easier if we could just push them away and cover them up. And yet, if we're actually willing to take a risk, and it is a risk, because we don't know what will happen if we open to the difficult, if we open to the frightening, the threatening, the unflattering experience, whatever it might be for us, if we're willing to take that risk, there's a possibility that we might discover. We might discover that even in facing the most difficult parts of our inner experience, 
those parts of ourselves which we may most fear or feel most threatened by, that when we do so from a place of willingness to receive just what is, without without any demand, without any pressure that it go away, that it change, that it become something different, that we just receive it, the quality of the connection that's formed in that place of contact, in that relationship that is found then to our life, it touches something within us. It touches something in our being. And it, it reveals itself as an expression of a profound kindness. And a kindness that's informed by understanding that the quality of our life the quality of our being and our existence is totally dependent upon the way we meet our life and not really so significantly affected by exactly what it is that's happening. And this is a profound shift. This is a profound change because we tend to think that what is so important is what is happening. And we can see how fascinated we are by what is happening, by the stories we tell ourselves by the experiences that we have, by how we determine whether it's a good meditation or a bad one, whether it was pleasant or flattering in some way, or accorded with our model of what we thought should be, what we thought it would be nice if it could be. But just coming back to the reality in a very simple, very direct way, there's a sense of relief, there's a sense of ease, which is a gift to ourselves, which nurtures and nourishes us in an incredible way. And this unconditional openness to our life on a moment-to-moment level, this is the foundation of kindness. This is the heart of all kindness. All responses, all actions that may express a kindness and a caring come from that place of really accepting, of really being present. And we know what it's like for ourselves in those times when we felt someone else really be there for us. Someone who's just received us as we are. Who's made no demand on us to be different, to be in a certain way, to conform with particular expectations or models. But has just received us as we are. Sadly, Those people and times are probably all too rare for most of us. And yet I think most of us will have had that experience at times in our lives. We might reflect on what it would be for ourselves, for our lives, if we were able to offer that gift to ourselves. Offer that gift to each moment of our experience. a poem I'd like to read you by American poet Galway Canal called St. Francis and the Sow. The bud stands for all things, even for those things that do not flower. For everything flowers from within, of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, 
to put a hand on the brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch. It is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. As St. Francis put his hand on the creased forehead of the sow and told her in words and in touch, blessings of earth on the sow. And the sow began remembering all down her thick length from the earthen snout all the way through the fodder and slops to the spiritual curl of the tail. From the hard spininess spiked out from her spine down through the great broken heart to the sheer blue milk and dreaminess spurting and shuddering from the fourteen teats into the fourteen mouths sucking and blowing beneath them. The long perfect loveliness of Sao. The image of the bud can perhaps speak to us rather powerfully because we see that although the bud is not yet the flower it carries that potential within us it carries that possibility within us, within itself. And to understand our own being as the possibility, as the potentiality for flowering through self-blessing, through actually touching our lives moment to moment with that hand on the brow of the flower, with that quality of presence, which is rather exquisitely simple, which is totally undemanding, and yet which has in it, without necessarily feeling a sort of a, a warm, gushy, sort of all-enveloping lovingness that we sometimes expect we should be able to feel or looking for or are wanting to be able to feel, but just more a rather quiet and simple receiving of each moment. That process itself is a reawakening, is a reawakening in our own being of a knowing, of an understanding that recognizes right deep through the depths of what we might at times feel to be our great broken heart. To really feel that although there may be so much pain in our lives, so much pain in this world, we can actually hold it. We can receive it. And in opening to that, we equally open to recognizing and to honoring the gifts that we bring into this world through our presence. And the beautiful image of the sow offering the milk through, the teats, through her teats to the young who are greedily receiving it. Something about how how we can almost have missed or forgotten how much we give in this world, how much we offer simply through presence, through being, and how we can give that gift to ourselves. Understanding how important this is, what we start to feel in that presence, in that quality of relationship 
that we establish is that so much of the process that disconnects us from that from that feeling of caring and kindness and relatedness to ourselves, so much of that process is bound up in and driven by a sense of being separate from life. A sense or perhaps a fear of being apart from, removed from and disconnected from the world. And particularly because we, when we get caught up in the patterns of our mind, the habits of reactivity that lead us into grasping, into aversion, pushing away and disconnection. All of those habits, they take us away from where we are. And so we have the experience, the perception, the feeling of being disconnected. We feel so separate when we're caught up in wanting, craving. We feel so separate when we're beset by fear or anger. There's really the sense of a barrier, of something breached or torn between us and what we call other between at times parts of our heart when we feel how we, we become angry with or afraid of parts of our own self and we feel torn within and so there's this experience of separation through our reactivity through unconsciously going along with these patterns and habits of mind and yet in letting go and simply being present which is a profound act of compassion for our own well-being we start to sense the connection that is there, that is available in that process. Even if it just is for a moment, it speaks to us of a depth of connection which is more profoundly and fundamentally true. Not just within ourselves and between the quality of our awareness and each moment of experience, but a connection that, that expresses a a deeper truth of relationship, a deeper truth of our participation in life that we can't maybe articulate very easily in words, that we can't speak about in a, in a way that really feels to carry what we feel or what we're touched by in that place. But that we can look around us, we can look at the plants, the people, the trees and the creatures outside, and we start to feel a sense of empathy, a sense of something common, of something familiar that's all around us, that we've never been removed from, never could be. And yet our mind sort of struggles with it. It doesn't quite know what that might be. It can't quite grasp what it would be to actually be completely connected, to be completely related, to dissolve the appearance, because that's all that it is, of separation from life. To dissolve that appearance seems somehow threatening to us. Seems somehow that that means that we ourselves will disappear. And while in one way that's true, the sense of self as an isolated, fragmented, disconnected entity dissolves in that connection. That, that sense of self, that sense of Identity is really just a, a contracted bunch of fear and craving and, and stress and pressure that we really experience as suffering and yet which doesn't have to dominate our lives. When we're willing to actually simply be, when we're willing to simply just be, 
without needing to become anyone, without needing to produce any results, whether outside in the world or within in our inner life. When we have that simple quality of being, we we, we find in it that although there may not be a sense of self in a solid, separate way, there's no sense of lack. There's no sense of anything lost. Because in fact, the dissolution of that sense of being separate reveals that we are in fact part of all of life. And that rather than losing who we are, we for the first time begin to sense, begin to intuit the truth of who we are, the truth of what life actually is. And we can see how the flow of experience is a process that moves, that arises, that comes to us, just as each breath comes to us and passes on, just as each sound that comes to the ear returns back to the silence. Every moment of our life in this way is an arrival and then a departure of just one experience after another. And seeing this, we don't give so much importance to those particular experiences. We can allow them, we can live with them, we can dance with them, of course, because that's the story of our life. And yet the quality of the presence, the connection we make with them, is more fundamental, is more significant. And that quality of connection, when we abide in a simple receiving of our lives. So often, another reason we're so afraid to simply receive our life, to simply be there and touch it just as it is, is that we feel that we'll become passive, we'll become ineffectual, or we'll somehow be unable to respond to the world. And we, we sometimes feel that we have to follow the patterns of our wanting and our fears because they're the only way to act in this life. But that's because that's perhaps the only thing we're familiar with. And, and when we can allow ourselves, when we can take that risk of simply being, of simply accepting with a, with a genuine sense of caring for each moment, for each experience, then what we find is that our responses come quite naturally. And our responses come in a way that reflects a genuine caring for others, for ourselves, and for all of life. Because as we really understand our relationship to the world, we see that in fact our natural response to the gift of this existence is to care for it. And that caring expresses itself rather simply and directly in what we could call human kindness. Not, of course, that it's limited to humans, but that we can sense it in that way as something quite simple, something quite immediate. And that even when we're not aware of it, it's actually often there, behind the motivations that may seem unskillful and unhealthy for us or to us, that below it, this, this genuine wish, this genuine concern for our own well-being that brings us perhaps to spiritual practice, that seeks us to gain 
things in the world or to avoid things in the world. This genuine wish to care for our own well-being, to care for the well-being of others. In its maturing, we come to see that this caring, while it might focus initially more perhaps on ourselves or what we call me and mine, and when it does so exclusively, it's rather limited, rather ineffectual. But, but that same quality of caring, of wishing for our own well-being, starts to, starts to radiate out, to, to express itself as a caring for the well-being of all of life. There's a process of understanding where we see that caring for others and caring for ourselves are not two separate things, are not in any way apart from each other, and that they are founded on receiving, on opening to, and allowing ourselves to be touched by and to touch each moment. When we speak of the heart of kindness and understanding, we can be speaking about that which is at its essence. What is at the essence of kindness? What is at the essence of understanding? This, the sense of connection, of relationship, reveals to us, reveals to us the heart of kindness, which flows rather naturally from it. And the heart of understanding, which, which recognizes our place in life, and which is willing to receive just what is offered right now, as a rather miraculous gift, which it is. a gift for which we can be grateful and a, a gratefulness that comes from this receiving the gift of life seeks nothing other than to really give back than to offer this life back to itself which is the ultimate act in kindness the ultimate service for our own well-being and the well-being of all of life is to offer our life back to not lay claim on it as mine, as ours. To not struggle in trying to get it the way we want it to be. But in finding that place in ourselves where we can receive our life, we see also that we give so much. And that the, the potential that is within us for kindness, for understanding, for wisdom and for compassion is vast, vast beyond our imaginings. And we might hear our voice saying, that's somebody else he's talking about, that's not me. But do we know that? Or is it just the old patterns and stories of our minds? that question, that doubt, that tend to undermine what is possible for us. 
in any moment that we're really wholeheartedly present, that we're fully connected with just what is. And it doesn't matter for how many minutes, moments, hours, or lifetimes previously we were lost, confused, and disconnected. In any moment when we're really there, we can be touched by, we can discover the heart of life. The the truth of what reveals our connection, our relationship, and the, the inherent kindness in all of life itself, which we are part of, that we don't need to claim any fragment of as our own, or take hold of any part to be mine, but that we actually see that the vastness of life has a has an okayness, has a suchness that doesn't need our manipulation, doesn't need our interference. And that we, as a reflection of that totality, as an aspect and a participant in that wholeness, equally do not need to be manipulated, do not need to be fixed, do not need to be made into something other than just what we are. We simply need to understand what that is. May all beings live with kindness. May all beings live with understanding. May all beings be touched by the deep truth of connection. So, could we just sit quietly for a moment or two, please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.